Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University, Belfast. This episode was recorded as a part of the Industry Insight series, featuring five industry professionals, Richard Ramsey, Karen Bradbury, Deborah Stevenson, Stephanie Mooney, and Chris Telford. Okay, so good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this second webinar on our Industry Insight series, where today, along with some industry experts, we're going to be looking at the business and professional services sector. This series of events is designed to help you think about different ways and places you could use your degree. My name's Claudine and I work in careers, employability and skills at Queen's and I'm going to be your host for this webinar which should last circa an hour, probably a little bit more. I'm going to keep it high level and hopefully pretty interactive so please do post questions or comments in the chat throughout the duration and I can ensure they get picked up at the appropriate time and please do also remember to keep the cameras off um, and on mute in case there's any background noise and I'm sure you're all familiar with those housekeeping rules from your, your lectures over the last year so. So you're all studying different things at different stages of your study and different stages of your thinking about your future but all obviously motivated by starting to really think about well where could you work and um, how could you apply your interest to a fulfilling career and what industries are growing and what are the market trends etc. So we're really delighted to welcome industry professionals to each of these events to present in an informal way factors influencing the working world for graduates in 2021. And today, as we know, we're going to focus on business and professional services. So what's happening in this session? Well, I'm delighted that we're going to be joined by five different employers this afternoon, each with their own expert and unique view of and experience in the sector. And I'll each offer valuable insights into our topic today. Richard Ramsey, who's the Chief Economist in Ulsterbank, is going to give us a keynote. And after hearing from Richard, we'll have the opportunity to hear from four individuals working and leading in the sector from PwC, Deloitte, um, Invest NI and EY, who will join us for their, our panel discussion. The objectives of this session are really to help you start to think, well, to understand more contextually about the current working world dynamics in Northern Ireland and beyond to understand how a variety of industries are interested in students from a wide variety of degree subjects and to hopefully start to think about or develop your thinking and your own options and diverse areas of work that you could ultimately enter. So as I said, um, I'm going to kick off, um, I'm going to introduce our keynote, Richard Ramsey, who's the Chief Economist in Ulsterbank. So um, hi Richard, if you're here already, hello, how are you? Um, how are you, Claudine? Yeah, good, good, good. So, Richard, you know, as the world around us continues to change at a, at a fast pace from a, a political, economic, social and technological perspective, so do organisations and individuals need to continue to adapt and evolve in response to this. Thus, it's really increasingly important for graduates and students to understand the external market and the many ways they may be able to place themselves within that market. So delighted you're the, the Northern Ireland expert in this. So really delighted that you've had some time to come along um, and perhaps spend then the next 15 minutes or so briefly introducing yourself and your background and your role and then helping the audience understand a little bit more about the broader economy. So, you know, what are some of the key trends, opportunities and challenges in the broader sector in Northern Ireland and beyond? 
and what sorts of roles exist within this sector and how perhaps is that changing? And then we're going to have the opportunity for students' questions. So um, over to you, Richard, and we've got your, your first slide up. Thank you. OK, thanks very much, uh, Claudine. And if you could just move on to the next slide, please. And I suppose, first of all, uh, if I had been doing asked to do a careers talk 12 to 18 months ago, uh, I would have probably turned it down uh, because the economic outlook was so grim, I would have been having to tell people it was probably the worst possible time to be going looking for a job uh, or trying to uh, embark on a career. But if we look at what's happened, uh, fast forward to now, things didn't turn out as badly as many people such as myself predicted. And uh, thankfully, things are looking much, much better. And indeed, in many ways, it could never be a better time uh, to be looking uh, to uh, get a foothold on, onto the uh, uh, your career ladder. So I'm just going to go through, briefly talk about my career journey, what's happening economy-wise, look at some various trends and themes, and then also what skills and behaviours uh, firms are, are looking after or are looking for. Uh, so if we go on to the next slide first, please. Uh, so my, my career, I went to Rainy and School in Macrofelt. Uh, A-levels were geography, biology and maths. There was no economics there. I went to Loughborough University to study human geography and economics. And uh, I, at the start, in my, my first year, I can remember economics, I sort of struggled with it and thought I was going to do straight geography. But uh, and at that time, I never would have thought I was wanting to be an economist. I then, as part of a probably uh, delaying going into the big bad world, I did a MSc in European Economics and Finance, uh, all the economics of the EU, and which I would then subsequently find with Brexit, it was all the undoing of all those kind of benefits is what my job sort of was focused on. Also in terms of finance, banking and finance side, my dissertation happened to be on uh, financial crises and credit crunches and all those kind of things. Again, it was something I thought I would never need to use, but it was soon uh, to, to hit in sort of 2007 and that information and, and sort of study came in handy. I suppose whenever I left university, I was applying for accountancy jobs, general management jobs, uh, insurance, all those kind of things. I can remember all getting down to a final two for a management accountant job. I'm glad I didn't get it because I never was an accountant. And even a lot of the feedback that I got from a lot of interviews was that I seemed more of an economist rather than, uh, you know, wanting to be an accountant or go into general management. And that is what I was. And I suppose in life, it's important to sort of find out or know who you are what you are and therefore what you would like and what you would be passionate in. And I then started a career in the civil service as an economist uh, back in 1997, various departments, Department of Finance and Personnel, then Enterprise Trade and Investment. I did a few stints there, different jobs, and then also invest Northern Ireland for a, a time as well. I then got to the point where civil service, I had thought it was a career for life, but then I thought, uh, there is no job in the of the 23,000 or however many were in the civil service that I would want to then do. And I sort of felt that was kind of push and pull factors of going to the bright lights of banking in 2007, and which I joined Ulster Bank probably in March 2007, which was 
probably the best or worst time to join the bank because of the whole property uh, boom and bust that uh, uh, arrives shortly after that credit crunch and all of all of that. And it's been all the fun of the fair and crises on so many levels ever since. And that's where I am uh, to this day. So if we just move on to then, because I'm going to sort of like explain then some of the economy, what's going on and what's happened. And if you think back to last year, it's probably a year, year to remember or indeed a year to forget where there was, uh, in terms of the UK economy, shrank at its fastest rate in uh, 300 years. For Northern Ireland, it was the worst uh, contraction and output in a in 100 years we saw things that we never thought we would see such as like uh, new car sales falling year on year by over 99 percent in april last year we saw hotel occupancy rates in northern ireland not percent and if you had ever as an economist come out to try and forecast anything like that you would either have been locked up or or shot uh but thankfully Things have improved, and a lot of it was due to the uh, unprecedented interventions that uh, the government uh, undertook, such as the, probably the flagship one was the job retention uh, scheme or the furlough scheme in terms of supporting jobs. So things are much, much different than where they were uh, last year ago. And if we were thinking back last year, we thought we were potentially going to see an economic depression. The Bank of England thought uh, un unemployment rate in the UK would hit 12%. Uh, of course, that hasn't happened. So things have been very much different. So if we just move to the next slide and see of how we have progressed, this chart is looking at Northern Ireland. It's a composite economic index, uh, public and private sector. It's viewed as an output index. So it's the nearest thing we have to GDP, which you may hear in the news. And if you look at the index and just see the recovery that we've made, the orange lines, private sector, blue lines, the uh, public and private, you can see we had the biggest decline uh, ever. So this is indexed back to the fourth quarter of 2019, the pre-pandemic level. And you can see we had the steepest fall in output, uh, down almost 25% in terms of private sector output, but it is then recovered and it's been, so it was the sharpest and deepest downturn we've ever experienced, but it's been the fastest uh, and it's been the fastest recovery that we've ever experienced too. And you can see as of the middle of this year, private sector output is less than 1% below where it was before the pandemic hit. So it's recouped 97% of the pandemic induced loss in output. If we move on to the next slide. But you have to remember when you talk about things where we're nearing recovery, that's the, looking at the economy as a whole. Different parts of the economy have experienced different things. And we, we have this idea of a K-shaped recovery where some have seen the uh, big upswing or indeed were never adversely affected in the first place, where others are still have got output well down where they were uh, previously. And you can see some of these headlines, the likes of IT sector, profits doubling during the pandemic, similarly, big boosts in profits for Almac, a pharmaceutical firm, whereas you've got the likes of the hospitality sector, Hastings Hotel Group reporting big losses, and then within aerospace, you know, job losses there. If we move on to the next slide, which uh, then just focuses on output, and it's broken down by various, various categories, and it's looking at 
were current output or activity, turnover, sales, etc., are in the second quarter of this year relative to the pre-pandemic level of the fourth quarter of 2019. And you can see that there are COVID winners and there's big losers. So just picking some of the ones towards the top, you think of like manufacture of textiles, uh, it, it's well up on its pre-pandemic levels. Uh, and think of PPE, the personal protective equipment, uh, that a lot of firms pivoted into there and benefited from that. Similarly, uh, the pharmaceutical sector, your big firms like Ramdox, Almac and uh, Norbrook uh, have done ex extremely well. Rubber and plastics, again, that's linked to safety equipment uh, in, uh, linked to PPE and linked to COVID, etc. Whereas you look at the other end of the spectrum, you see the worst affected is transport equipment, which think of the aerospace industry. So it is still 44% down on its pre-pandemic levels. And unless you get a, a return of the airline industry, global passenger traffic, air traffic, returning to normal levels, you're not going to see that return to pre-pandemic levels anytime soon. And then also other services as well, that's down 20% on where it was previously. That's all the kind of personal services, everything from dentistry, beauty treatment, arts, recreation, leather, the th le leisure, the theatres, etc. A lot of those things which were curtailed because of social distancing, but that will undoubtedly improve as the recovery uh, progresses. If we move on to the next slide, we can see we move from output to actual uh, employment or jobs. And this is just looking at the latest figures that we have for the second quarter of 2021 relative to pre-pandemic Q4 2019. And you can see there are winners and losers in terms of where there are more jobs uh, now than there were before the pandemic, where uh, there's a lot of the professional scientific sectors, but there is a kind of theme of the public sector has fared uh, much better than the private sector as a whole, because you can see the likes of health and education where uh, jobs are up. If you look at the other end of the spectrum, you can see those areas which have been hit hardest. The arts, entertainment, recreation, that was the kind of other services which I was talking about, down 7%. Also accommodation and food services, the hospitality sector hit hardest. And you've the likes of administrative and support services where a lot of firms have sort of discovered that a lot of the basic admin activities and jobs are no longer required. So it is, it is seen in significant job losses there. If uh, we move on to next slide, please, we can just then see, but what we are seeing now, uh, when we look at the number of payrolls, uh, Northern Ireland's local payrolls, the number of employees on those payrolls, which is this chart on the left, we can see that uh, we have recovered all of the jobs that we lost in terms of uh, payrolls, which is just employees, excludes the self-employed. and. It, they're at a record high and uh, it's been nine months of growth and the third, as of August this year, it was the third consecutive month that we had uh, higher levels of uh, jobs uh, than and pre-pandemic levels. But if you look at, cast your eye to the right hand side, you can see that while we've clawed all those jobs back for now, uh, we haven't recovered uh, the the total number of hours worked, it is still well below pre-pandemic levels. And the reason for that is because self-employed has been hit harder. And also remember that uh, the furlough scheme had, as of the end of July, there was 36,000 people 
who were in that chart on the left, who were employed, who were on the furlough scheme, so may not have a job as of as of now, given that the furlough scheme ended uh, on the 30th of September. If we move on to the next slide, please. And we can see unemployment rate in Northern Ireland, the red line, uh, it has been rising, but off really low levels, 4%. And remember, people such as myself, we thought we were going to see 10% plus unemployment rate. That didn't happen because of things like the furlough scheme. But what we did see, and if you look at that unemployment rate compared to uh, the sort of previous downturn, it is well down on that, uh, on those kind of levels where it peaked previously uh, over 8%. Then if we look at the chart on the right, it's a, it shows that not all parts of the labour market have fared as well as employees. So the blue line is showing that employees are back above pre-pandemic levels, which was what the payrolls data said, but look at self-employment it has fallen by 29% relative to that level. And there was almost like a flight of people from the, the kind of uncertainty of self-employment. And because those jobs got hit hardest, people were moving in uh, to become employees and working for an employer rather than working for themselves. So that still hasn't recovered. So in many ways, the labor market, uh, while some of the headlines show that it is recovered, other areas, it's got a very long way to go. Next slide, please. And one of the big challenges that you've been sort of seeing all, there's no shortage of drama at the minute in the political and economic front. And a lot of the drama uh, uh, focuses on shortages, such as skills shortages. Uh, you can see this cartoon here where we have had reports across uh, parts of England and, and the, the rest of GB about uh, food being left to rotten fields because they haven't got the, the labour for it. It's not just a Brexit thing. It's there are uh, skills shortages, the length and breadth of the economy almost everywhere you look. Uh, and you'll have seen that sort of in the news, everything from HGV drivers to food processors, but pretty much all sectors of the economy, manufacturing services, construction. If we move on to the next slide, please. And this is then just looking at, at the chart on the left. Uh, you may be familiar with the nijobs.com uh, jobs uh, vacancy website, and this is uh, part of their statistics from them, which uh, Ulster Bank we do with them, on, and this is their job listings index. So we did see a huge fall in the number of job vacancies being advertised in the lockdown low of Q2 uh, last year. But that has then uh, surged, and you can see that as of Q2 2021, where we're basically almost double the level of uh, uh, job vacancies advertised uh, than we had uh, prior to the pandemic. And uh, we've got the, the third quarter statistics right in the next couple of weeks, and I expect that will be more record highs. Uh, in terms of the vacancies. And if you think of even in the UK at the minute, there's 1 million vacancies, which uh, is a figure that has never been reached before, a record high. So it's not just Northern Ireland, it's the UK too. But if we look at where those vacancies are, are concentrated, you can see just in the table on the right-hand side, the biggest uh, share of them, one in five of all jobs advertised are nursing, healthcare, medical. So everything from care homes, nurses, etc. And that's not surprising given the, the sort of pandemic. Also, the hospitality sector uh, has seen a huge increase. One in nine of all listings 
and uh, pretty much anybody, if you're wanting to get a part-time job in hospitality at the minute, there's openings everywhere. The likes of, then you see other sets, sort of sectors uh, are sort of represented there. But to understand it, uh, what has been happening, if you look at 60% of the employment categories, and there's there's more than listed there, there's over, uh, there's over 30, 60% of them recorded their highest number of vacancies uh, ever uh, in, in this series. So that just shows the breadth of the opportunities uh, on offer. If we move on to the next slide, please. And I suppose just to touch on some of the trends and themes that are going on. First one, the sort of great resignation or the, the and the great opportunity. The great resignation, that is what has happened from uh, the, the pandemic is a lot of people have reassessed and uh, reevaluated their lives, their careers, their lifestyles. And what we have is uh, for, from a survey from Microsoft was saying that 40% of the global workforce expect to leave their, their job this year. Now, there always is churn and people sort of leaving jobs, but that's about double the normal rate. It's nor normally about 20% of the workforce. And if you think the likes of the US saw 4 million people uh, leave their jobs in just the month of April this year uh, alone. So what that is doing is a lot of people, particularly mid-career, are changing into totally different careers, moving into different things. But that is creating and uh, leading to all of these kind of uh, vacancies uh, across the board. And in many ways, that is a great opportunity because, as I said before, Previously, a year ago, you would have thought this was the worst possible time to be uh, looking to join the labour market. But because of the churn that is going on, uh, there are significant opportunities uh, uh, around pretty much all sectors. There's some of the key themes as well as what we've seen in recent years is this idea of offshoring or reshoring, particularly in the likes of a lot of the big uh, four sort of accountancy firms and consultancy services where they are uh, building up and expanding on the facilities in terms of Northern Ireland, whether it's like your sort of PWCs, Deloitte's, etc., and uh, taking advantage of Northern Ireland's uh, uh, Northern Ireland sort of labour and uh, lower wages, etc. And I think we're going to see that trend continue. Uh, beyond that, we've seen it in terms of legal services, where there's a lot of uh, kind of bigger McKenzie's of this world, Alan and Overy, they're all now looking at sort of reshoring and uh, coming to the likes of Northern Ireland. And I think one of the things, particularly from the whole working from home, the, the potential for working from home and uh, uh, or, or, and or being able to sort of commute more readily to the likes of GB London and the southeast, you're going to see more and more of that and more opportunities opening up uh, in, in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, in terms of technology, big changes there, and in many ways, people think of technology as a job creator or a job killer, and uh, depending where you are, it's, it's actually both. Uh, in terms of job creator, you only have to look at the sort of like the likes of the cybersecurity sort of cluster that we have in, in Belfast and Northern Ireland, highest concentration of jobs uh, in, in Europe, and clearly that's creating more jobs, new jobs, and it's... Uh, the likes of cybersecurity, and if we think of what happened uh, during the pandemic, more and more of us bought 
uh, increasingly more uh, spent more of our our money on online as opposed to in shops. That highlights the need for cybersecurity, uh, and that's only going to go one way in terms of growth going forward. Uh, other areas you look at sort of like big data and analytics. Lots of things moving forward on, on that front in Northern Ireland. You look at the likes of stats sports uh, based in Newry, which does all the the kind of wearables technology with football players, sportsmen, and etc. And uh, uh, that is, is is clearly creating sort of new jobs going forward because one of the biggest challenges in society is the fact that there is too much information out there and that's what businesses and individuals are having to uh, sort of make sense of that uh, and, and deal with it. Yes, technology is going to be a, a job killer as well in the likes of the banking sector. Uh, technology is taking out uh, sort of jobs because uh, it can do those and indeed that's some of the large sort of banks, the Goldman Sachs of this world, uh, some of their sort of graduates, what they are doing is because there was talk of burnout for those graduates and too much work and the hours they had to put in, they're trying to use AI and uh, autonomous technology to try and take out a, a lot of those mundane uh, sort of bits of work. So that's going to continue. And the likes of banking, the number of people employed in banking next year will be smaller than this year. And going forward, it'll be smaller again because technology is coming in uh, to replace people. So there's a variety of growth sectors. I've already highlighted some. There's also the pharma sector, life cycle or life sciences. Also have the film industry as well here. And again, that's how technology, the likes of CGI, how that technology has then created the ability uh, in Northern Ireland to do film production. And there's been a lots of job opportunities sort of from that as well. There's also the whole issue, bigger sort of themes about aging population and climate change, which are going to be big features uh, in the labour market going forward. And uh, you'll be all aware of the sort of crises and the pressures stemming from those. And there'll be more and more sort of jobs related to, to those going forward. If we move on to the next slide, please. So. Some of the things I was just wanting to highlight here, this is just whenever you sort of think what are employers actually looking for in sort of graduates. And this was then just, this is what we have uh, in NatWest where it's the five critical uh, personal capabilities, which it's the, it's the five kind of people skills or capabilities that the, the bank views uh, you know, are, are necessary for a successful career, both for uh, individuals, but also for the bank as well, both now and in the future. And you can see the kind of things, it's the idea of being uh, an improver innovator, the idea of people generating new ideas and, and younger people tend to be more creative, have new ideas, uh, and it's how they utilize those and uh, for the likes of customers. It's also the idea of the mindset to embrace technology. We have to do that in everything we do. Uh, and that's increasingly in, in other businesses are, are like that as well. It's the idea of being change ready. Uh, uh, relative, what I found in, in the private sector relative to the public sector was just the speed of, of which things work. And anybody in banking as well over the last uh, 10 years or so will have been uh, felt as if they've been restructured to death. And that is just something we have to adapt to. The idea of being a critical thinker, being able to understand the bigger picture. It's not just your job or your specific task, but it's being able to how you use information and analysis 
in order to solve problems and help with like the business. So you think of big issues like Brexit at the minute or the pandemic, how you can distill information and analysis to uh, impact on, on your organization. There's also the idea of being connected, not to be in a silo, not to be just focused in your own specific job, but being able to collaborate across boundaries, not just within other organizations within the bank, but with other sections of society, be it other private sector bodies, sectoral bodies, or the community at large. And then this idea of being a trusted advisor, being credible and knowledgeable, you know, and how you up to keep up to date with your expertise sort of going forward. And I suppose one of the things you have to think of with a job, we've gone away from the idea of a job for life or a career for life, and it's now more into a series of jobs or a series of different careers. And just like we see with technology, where we have technology upgrades, whether it's your Windows 9, 10, 11 or whatever, that's what individuals and you need to do in terms of adapt and reskill yourselves and become the latest update updated version of all the various capabilities and people skills presentation skills all of those kind of things that you need uh, you need to have so that uh, completes uh, what I had to say so just happy for mm -hmm. any questions or comments that's actually just perfectly um, bang on time thank you very much Richard and Kudos to you for covering such a, a complex and large topic in um, such a concise and, and clear way, particularly for those of us that, you know, aren't working within the, you know, obviously the, the economic sector. I think you mentioned during your talk that there's just so much information about this out there. So to see it just in, you know, a, a clear presentation has been really, really useful. And from my perspective, you know, really kind of heartening, I suppose, you know, for the graduates going out to hear about the huge amount of vacancies um, and indeed the, the breadth of opportunities. Um, I think your CPC sort of skills piece from the bank there is probably relevant for all sectors and all industries, um, because I guess the guys are now starting to think about their own skills and their own values. And that's as important as the first job that you will jump into and, you know, be the, the better version of yourself. So, um, Richard, thank you very much on behalf of myself, on behalf of Queen's and on behalf of the, the, the students here this afternoon. And if you're happy enough then for us to, to share those slides, and I think there's some really useful information they can they can go back on. Um, just a, a comment there before we close, because I know you, you, you obviously you have to go now as well, but um, really resonate with the find out what you are passionate about for your career and, you know, really great advice to our students. Um, so that's certainly some food, food for thought for the guys to, to go out on. And, you know, that external environment, understanding pieces is hugely important. So um, huge thanks to you. Not at um, all. You're very welcome. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Richard. OK, thanks, Claudie. Guys, um, we're now going to move into the, the second half of this session. I um, appreciate that was a lot of information um, coming in there, but it, you know, as we just said, you're going to have those slides to go back on and review um, a, a bit later. And I said, we're now going to move into the second part of the session, which is a panel discussion. Um, and huge thanks to, we've got four guest speakers for giving up their time to come along and participate in this panel this afternoon. So, um, Karen, Deborah, Kira, and Shannon, do you want to now turn your cameras on? Um, so, yeah, delighted then to have Karen Bradbury from Invest Northern Ireland, 
Deborah Stevenson from PwC, Kira Lynch from Deloitte and Shannon Cunningham from EY. So guys, um, as I said, delighted to, to have you here this afternoon and hopefully you got to catch a little bit of Richard's sort of big end kind of key trends, opportunities that are going on across the, um, the business and professional services sector. So it's great now to bring this into a more interactive discussion from four leaders and professionals working in different organisations within this sector. Um, so the first thing I'm going to just ask you to do, rather than me really read out your bios quite formally, you know, it's probably better that you maybe spend a few minutes doing that yourselves. So um, I'm going to ask each of you, we're gonna, I'm going to take that slide down actually now in a wee minute so that we can see you a bit bigger. And then if you each, maybe starting with you, um, Deborah, because you're first on my screen, but if you each want to just spend a couple of minutes perhaps introducing yourself, your background, obviously your organisation, and then just to make it sort of a bit more fun and, and, and interactive, maybe then if you wanted to just also mention a surprising fact about your sector and a surprising fact about your own personal career pathway. So thank you and over to you first, Debs. Perfect, and thanks very much for welcoming me, welcoming me to, um, to partake in this panel. Um, this is actually one of the best parts of my job, I have to say, is just being able to have a, a really joyful conversation um, with, with, with people across all different parts of the industry. So, um, hello everybody. Um, my name is Deborah Stevenson, and I am a People and Operations Director in PwC. I have to say um, that sometimes I'm not even entirely sure what that job title entails. Um, it can vary uh, week on week and year on year. But I have been part of PwC for 13 years now. I joined as an experienced hire and pri prior to that I had a number of different roles in government. Um, whenever I was at your stage um, in university, I graduated with a business studies degree, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I um, was toying between uh, human um, human resources career and I was also very interested in lots of research and investigative skills so it becomes even more eclectic whenever um, you hear about my journey in PwC but I suppose the thing is is that if somebody asked me today what I want to be whenever I grow up I still don't have the answer um, what I have found is that the jobs the, the career that I have has definitely been based on things that I have really enjoyed doing um, but I use the transferable skills that I have that I have acquired over a number of years um, and in every role they have benefited me. So my investigative skills um, help me run a tight ship operationally. I love data um, and I love being able to analyze and interpret it and see what stories it's telling me. And my interest in human resources and people um, helps me uh, create that people experience. And that's ultimately what my role's about. It's uh, how do we create a, a really positive people experience in our part of the business and also make sure that we're running a very efficient um, business here too. So uh, definitely eclectic history. PwC, I'm sure that um, some people will be really familiar with it and other people won't have a clue about it. Um, we're one of the largest professional services firms across the globe. Um, numbers keep changing. We're recruiting significantly at the minute. Um, but we have about 280,000 people across the globe, 24,000 in the UK and in Belfast and to Richards Point, we decided a number of years ago to invest significantly in Northern Ireland. Um, so we have over 3,000 people um, and make up you know, 10%, well, more than 10% of the UK workforce. Um, and our plans for the future um, see uh, Northern Ireland and Belfast being a, a critical part of PwC's continued growth journey. 
So we're more than accountants. I'm definitely not an accountant. Um, we have lots of different roles and I think uh, in all honesty, if I had to list them all now, I would miss them. Um, but we we keep adding different uh, skills, roles, types of types of jobs that we need to create in order to, to support our clients. And that's just reflective of the fact that we evolve with market, with industry needs. I could go on, but I'm really conscious that there's other people. So that's perfect. Thank you, Deborah. And, and you know, what was really interesting there, I think about your kind of pathway is that it wasn't linear. You oh, know, no. you didn't work straight in the, in the private sector and come from business to business. But, you know, that mix across, you know, not just public to private sector, but actually to very, very different roles. And probably kind of what brought you through that was those skills and those values that, that Richard just touched on. And I think for our student audience to, to kind of hear some of those messages when they're about to jump into that first row um, is, is really, really useful. So thank you for that. Um, Kira, you're next to my screen. So um, do you want to, to kick off now? Cool. Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kira Lynch. It's actually my first day back in the office. So pretty excited to be back in and seeing people. So that's cool. Um, I work for Deloitte specifically in Deloitte Digital. Um, so kind of helping customers, um, our clients, sorry, with kind of big digital transformation projects. Um, I started as a placement student with Deloitte in 2014 as part of a, a sandwich degree with Queens, which was BIT. Um, so I did that year with Deloitte traveling back and forward to Glasgow. Um, at the time we were helping Clydesdale Bank build a mobile app. They didn't have any mobile presence at the time, so that was quite an exciting first project. Um, then 2015, completed final year, graduated, um, and then also in that year I worked in the Apple Store in Victoria Square, which was interesting. Um, 2016 then rejoined Deloitte, and obviously I'm still here. Um, so I think it probably sounds like my background is pretty technical, um, but I can honestly say I've never coded a day in my life. Um, I've always been more on the business side of things, always interested in the business side of things and kind of building client relationships, helping clients. Um, so as I say, yeah, my first project was with Clydesdale Bank and that was kind of a business analyst. So working with the client themselves to help them shape what they wanted from the app. So they, you know, at that stage, they were still heavily quite paper-based, didn't know what was, say, possible um, for their clients. Um, so we worked with them to kind of shape a backlog, prioritise and, and deliver that project. Um, and then since then, I've still kind of stayed in financial services projects, um, more now in the pensions and insurance space, which does typically sound quite boring. But again, there's a lot of processes and um, things that need digitised in that space. So it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and I've now more recently become a product owner um, for one of our clients, which is a, which is a bit strange, um, but because I've been with them for so many years and have built up quite a knowledge of pensions and insurance, um, I've been empowered to do that role now. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of me. Brilliant. Okay, thanks very much. And Karen? Uh, hi, Claudine, and thanks very much for having me today. So um, I'm Karen Bradbury. I am the financial and professional services sector lead for Invest Northern Ireland. Um, again, probably like Deborah, many of you may have heard of Invest Northern Ireland, and may, many may not. Um, it's the economic development agency for Northern Ireland, and our role is really to support businesses, uh, both new and existing and help them compete globally and also to attract um, attract new investment to Northern Ireland. 
uh, I have worked in Invest and I for a very long time, <laughs> over 20 years. Well, it was previously led you. Um, and actually my route, uh, I suppose a bit like Deborah as well, I actually started life um, as a chemical engineer. I graduated from Queen's as a chemical engineer and um, opportunities for chemical engineers uh, in Northern Ireland at that time were quite limited. Um, there was kind of DuPont up in Derry and, uh, and that was pretty much it. Uh, I was quite keen to stay here and I moved into production and general manufacturing and started as a production management trainee in um, Coates uh, Viella factory in, um, down in Donaghydee. And I guess for me, uh, and I, I worked in production for about five or six years and then moved into consultancy uh, because I really enjoyed kind of working with with people um, and kind of and building like client relationships and things like that and then moved into moved from there into to let you and then invest in I um, and I guess um, for you know my role I mean I've actually been in this role for 15 years which I never thought that I would you know previously to that I would have been a couple of years here and a couple of years there but actually what keeps me um, and what makes is that my no two days are ever the same. So I can't kind of um, be like, well, actually, I just do this. And within my role, um, I'm I'm very lucky in that I work as an account manager within Invest and I for a number of great companies. Um, I used to work with Deloitte and with PwC, but or, and sorry EY, but I've moved on um, to work with other companies. So I kind of work with companies on an individual basis. And then I also have a sectoral role where I'm looking to how um, Best Northern Ireland can support the growth of the financial and professional services uh, across Northern Ireland. So delighted to be here today and um, thanks for having me. Thanks very much, Karen. And last but not least, Shannon, do you want to do uh, your intro? Thanks. Sure. Thanks, Claudine. And again, thanks, thanks for having me here today. So my name's Shannon Cunningham. I'm a senior manager in EY's tax team. So um, I joined EY nine years ago, which is hard to believe. It feels like no time from us sitting in <laughs> sitting where you are today. Um, but yeah, I, I work on a number of different areas and have come up through the ranks. Um, so I've worked in R&D tax credits. I've worked in tax compliance. Um, I've worked in the tax advisory team. And I know that all that all sounds very maybe big and scary to you. And you, you don't know what that is. But um, I suppose one of my key messages for you today is that um, even though I joined from a linear background, so I did accounting and finance in, in university and um, in a postgrad in accounting, one of the things that probably surprised me whenever I joined EY is that there were so many people joining tax from a non-accounting background. So we have people joining who have geography degrees, who have law degrees, um, engineering degrees, economics. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just business or, or accounting, you know, that can have a have a role in, in professional services. To just maybe elaborate a wee bit on, on one of those. Um, R&D tax credits, for example, is is a it's basically an, an incentive for companies um, in any sector to to get money back from the government for investing in, in R&D. Um, and what's really important in our job is working out, you know, what that what that amount is. 
but I'm an accountant. I'm not an engineer. And if I'm going out to talk to someone at a client who is an engineer and they're trying to tell me, you know, about, about their R&D job, I'm not going to get it. So it's really important that we have engineers and, and people from different um, backgrounds in our team who can help us with that. That's maybe just one of the key points in, in terms of all the things that, that I've done in EY. So um, I got to spend a year over in London on a secondment in 2017. Um, and I suppose to to Deborah's point, that that's maybe just one of the benefits of, of a big four is that it's international. You know, all the big four, whenever I say the big four, I mean EY, um, PwC, Deloitte and KPMG. You know, we're all global practices. Um, and I was given the opportunity to go over to London and I could have went to New York if I had wanted to. For personal reasons, I decided not to. But there's just the I really feel with a big four, the world's your oyster. You know, you really can go anywhere. Um, so I worked over an international tax team in London for a year, had the best year of my life. London is amazing. And if everyone ever gets a chance to go, you definitely should. Um, yeah, and I came back in 2018 and um, I'm now working in the, the advisory team. So advising clients on how they set up their, their group structures um, in a tax efficient manner and, and such things. The last point that I'll maybe just leave you with is that whenever I um, left school, I was very, very maths orientated. I absolutely despised English. Um, and so I did accountancy, I did finance, I did anything that was not um, history or not history, sorry, English related. Um, and nine years later, I find myself reading tax legislation and doing absolutely nothing with numbers. So um, I suppose just again, back to my, my earlier point, you know, someone with an English degree or a law degree is, is so well suited for for um for tax where I work. So yeah, just don't don't take the the thought that accountants and just crunch numbers because you definitely don't. <laughs> Shannon, uh, Shannon, I'm absolutely laughing my head off here because whenever I was at uh, uni doing business studies, I despised accounting. In fact, it was compulsory module in my first year, and after that, I went out of my way to avoid anything to do with accounting. I end up in a professional services firm working with lots of accountants and an operational role that requires me to be really commercial and understand how the business is performing. I mean, you know, you just, I think the thing is, is that while I didn't like the subject matter, I obviously still had the, the skill set and you're in the exact yeah. same position. So it's funny how things work out. Definitely, definitely. Uh, there's definitely a key theme, I think, coming through here, beginning with what some of the stuff that, that Richard said and that you're all reinforcing, you know, that there's not one path or one right path. So when you're going out to start your career, there's different versions of yourself or different things that you pick up. And, you know, even the concept of, you know, business and professional services isn't necessarily, you know, as you said, being an accountant stuck on your desk and, and you know, in a professional services firm. It's broader, it's more diverse, it changes. And I think as well, you know, the public sector, the non-for-profit sector, the healthcare, social enterprise, you know, you need to have business general acumen and, and you know, those values and those skill sets no matter where you are. So there's there's something about cutting across and just having having those skills. So like on that point, I suppose back to skills and value, can I ask each of you just, you know, perhaps if you look back, then perhaps, you know, one bit of advice that you might give to your to your student self. So Oh, you all ponder. <laughs> I mean, there's not enough. There's not enough time in the day for me to tell you what I would tell myself. You know, whenever I was leaving university, and I'm, I'm I am being truthful with that. I mean, I could even last week I was giving myself advice. I think the thing is that you don't ever. Well, you have a choice. 
you actually have a choice about the type of life and the type of career that you want to have. Um, you have a you have a choice about whether you're going to be very rigid um, or you have a choice about whether you are one of those individuals who is really going to thrive because they constantly want to be better. You, know, you talk about this 1% improvement every day and in all honesty, I it was in, it wasn't until I joined PwC that I really um, feel like I was invested in. Yes, from a technical perspective and, and in the work that I did, but actually more importantly, you know, on myself. Um, and I will often say that the human skills that I have acquired, the ability to be able to work with so many people with different backgrounds, different perspectives, um, has actually grown me as a professional. But um, really, I actually see that the huge benefits in my personal life. And it's funny because I have had such an influence on my poor husband now, I have to giggle sometimes whenever he's quoting back things that I have uh, said to him as a result of my PwC training, might I add. And now I think that he's a better person for it too. So in a long-winded way, um, I I missed out probably in about five years in my early career of not being as open-minded as I should have been. And that, that was more about, um, you know, really just saying yes to every, every opportunity that came across my way because to be honest I didn't know whether I was going to love it or hate it but actually it was a lesson learnt um, and also uh, seeking out seeking out opportunities that would allow me to work with people who I would ordinarily not have come across. Um, so is it, is it a skill? Um, I think it's more mindset um, but I think it's one of the things that you know we constantly look for now and um, in the people coming into our businesses do they have that growth mindset or are they mm -hmm. fixed um and you might have heard that already but yeah. uh, you're teaching but i think it's really important thanks very yeah. much anyone I else think, want to share yeah i was just gonna say related to probably what you said there deborah is i would say to aim high i know like the the kind of processes for joining the big firms and even my kind of application selection process for apple believe it or not was like crazy for a retail job um that they seem daunting but once you're kind of in the thick of it you run on adrenaline and you know you do better in those kind of assessment centers and, and interviews than you ever think like my final interview for Deloitte I was convinced I'd messed it up and then got a phone call two days later to say I got the job so and and as you said every you grow in those experiences and then okay if you fail at one then you just try again the next time but you know what to expect that time around so that's one thing I would say like aim high and, and don't be scared it's, it's daunting but it's kind of worth it when you get through it yeah I would just add uh, about Deborah's point about being open um, you know open to possibilities open to um, opportunity I do think that uh, you know there's just kind of you have a mindset or certainly I had a mindset you know I did chemical engineering so therefore I should be looking for engineering jobs at a push production and um, you know and actually looking broader than that and also not being afraid to use I mean I moved from that into into a training job and um, you know doing like on on-site training and things and consultancy it, it was really that you know there was it was not an obvious move but it was about recognizing well actually I've had five years of dealing with difficult people and negotiating and influencing and things like that so it's being open not thinking well I've done business studies so therefore I must do this or I've done law so I must be a lawyer it's how trying to work out well what part of the law or what part of business studies do you really enjoy what are you good at and then how can that be transferred and as um, Kira said there you know if it doesn't if it doesn't work out and you sort of think well I've made a mistake you can then just move on you can, no, it's, it's not 
just as easy as that. But but there then are there are other opportunities, and you can use what you've been doing for the year or the six months or whatever it is to look for something else and and to, to move to move on. And that there's just not one uh, prescribed career path for anyone. You know that there are opportunities in in different ways. Brilliant. Thanks, Karen. And Alan, do you want to add to that? Yeah, so I think Deborah's point at the start around mindset and growth mindset is, is spot on. Um, but maybe just to take it in a different different angle, um, I think at you know where you are today, networking and talking to people as many people as you can to understand what their jobs are like on an actual day to day basis, what they do rather than what you perceive them to do is really, really important. And I suppose I was lucky enough in that I knew I wanted to be an accountant, you know, from I was 15 or 16. That was that was fine. But I had lots of friends who didn't know that. And, you know, what I seen them doing that worked really well was they actually went out and talked to people, got experience if they could. But building that network um, and like you're so lucky now you've got LinkedIn, you know, you've got there's so many tools, you know, to build a network. So just um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. You, you know, generally, I find people in Northern Ireland want to help each other. So just reach out, build a network and really understand what people do on a day to day basis rather than what, what you think they might do. Thank you. Yeah. That's really good point. Um, there, there's a question come through here and around, you know, you've clearly not all had linear um, career paths, except from Shannon. What advice would you give to our students who are preparing for interviews? Um, outside of looking at your core values and job descriptions. This one might be a little bit more around for your student recruitment teams. And I know that you've all got a lot of good recruitment events and PwC, you know, you've got your virtual park, etc. But perhaps even just to reframe that slightly, you know, moving away from the kind of the interview piece. Is there a key skill that you believe is important for, you know, students or, you know, new hires um, at the graduate level coming into your organisation beyond the technical and um, that you think is something they could start to, to focus on? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, you know, from my perspective, if, you know, if we could enter, if we could interview for mindset and attitude alone, I think that that mm -hmm. would be our preference. You know, I, I just want to reiterate, and I, I think I am speaking on behalf of all of the business and professional services firms. We are confident that we are not, I'm not to sound arrogant, by the way, but we are confident that we can um, train and invest in people to make sure that they are set up for success in the role. So I think it was Shannon made a really good point earlier around it doesn't matter really what degree background you're coming from. You know, we we do have the confidence that we have the infrastructure in place to set you up for success. And even yesterday, for example, I was speaking to somebody who um, was a midwife, heard her back, couldn't be a midwife anymore, then joined an events company and now is in our tech team. I was like, wow, I mean, talk about turnaround. Um, and I suppose we, we have all proven the point too that it's not a linear pathway. So it's a mindset attitude piece. For me, I really feel like um, we are all looking for somebody who's really committed, um, committed to learn, um, committed to trying new things, committed to fail fast, but move forward quickly. Um, and I think if you can get that passion across and you show a genuine interest in the company, then that's a really good, that's a really good starter for Tain. Um, you know, we do, we do expect you to understand what path and what role you're applying for. But to Shannon's point earlier, um, it, it would it would be nice to take it further than the the perception from a distance. So if you can show that you have um you know somehow taken action to understand a bit more, then that is really helpful too. But we also know that we're big organisations. 
we change at pace and we don't expect you to have all the right answers um, about what we do. We expect you to have um, shown initiative to try and find out as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. And to, to maybe build, build on that, like, I think back to my Milk Round interviews or the interviews I went through for, for EY and the other big four, like it wasn't really about the technical piece, you know, it was really about tell me about a time whenever you've, you know, shown that you're a team player, you know, communication skills, leadership, being proactive, you know, it's those soft skills that are really critical. If you're going to start in, in professional services, you're not going to start the job and be expected to know everything. It's, it's actually the, the polar opposite. You know, you're coming into a professional services firm to be trained, but it's having those basic skills around teamwork and leadership communication, as I said, and, and attitude, you know, so that'll come across in an interview. Um, if you can give real life examples in an interview, that's really powerful, you know, to say I'm a good communicator compared to I'm a good communicator because X, Y and Z and you give a real life example, you know, that that sets you apart from from your peers. So like, I mean, I spent my interviews talking about um, I, I play football, so do in a, in a team and I spent my interviews talking about football, basically, because that's where I pull all my skills from. Um, so, you know, non-linear and I wouldn't be worried about it. it it's about those soft skills. Great. Yeah. Yeah, great, completely. Karen, anything to add? Or yeah, no, I just I agree with Shannon that the soft skills. I mean, I um, work with a number of companies across uh, across the sector, and they would that the soft skills would really resonate. And also, you know, don't underestimate that the the impact of your like your summer job or your weekend job working in the bar and things like that. You know, all of those things are great. Um, you know, great experience in developing your communication skills. But um, most of the companies that I work with say, well, yeah, we can train in the technical bit or build on the technical bit from yeah. university, but it, it is being able to work with other people and, and how you can show that, that that's what you've done. The other thing I would just add um, is also the impact of technology. I mean, Richard had mentioned that you look at, at, at you know, that um, within the CERP, uh, financial professional services sector, you know, technology is being adopted. So, you know, even just being able to be computer literate and things like that, I do think that's a that's a good technical skill to have. And the other thing it would just be as back to that point of being about being open, you know, if you are doing like law, you think, well, what else can I add to that? Or I can't say it's, you know, um, even if it's like conversational French or something like that, you know, some of those technical skills can, can set you apart. Brilliant, thank you. Kira? Um, yeah, I think probably related to what everyone else has said, but I was going to say um, being adaptable. So, you know, within Deloitte, say as a any kind of business role, because we have different clients, so say clients in the public sector, the NHS, or retail clients in the private sector, or financial services clients, is those clients will have different needs. Um, and as, de or sorry, as Karen, you said there, if you have skills in those areas from elsewhere, you know, you're not just there to be a consultant, you're a human as well, you know, to, to draw on other experiences. So I would just say, yeah, be a, as adaptable and, and use every skill that you have, really. Yeah. Um, guys, I think, you know, everything that you're saying is, is, is really spot on and it's so interesting to see the synergies um, that, that you're coming out with, both the four of you and Richard. Um, 
around sort of you know that being adaptable the different versions of yourself and you know I guess for the students it must be really really positive to hear that there's huge vacancies out there there's skills shortages um, and then no one's expecting you to come out to be the finished article but actually to just start to think about your own teamwork leadership critical thinking skills and I guess there's business across every sector as we said um, you know no matter where you want to work or what you want to do be it an, an archaeologist or an engineer you're going to have to think about those skills um, and to think obviously, you know, then about the breadth and depth of professional services and, and the private sector in Northern Ireland and some of the growth there is just is, is really, really positive. So look, thank you very much. I think, you know, you've reinforced some positive messages and um, the fact that it's a great time now, you know, despite what you hear in big, big really media for our graduates to go out. Um, today, as you can imagine, for the students, you know, it really wasn't about answers, um, but it's about opening up their mind to have some breakthrough thinking guys around well actually where do you want to go um, and what do you want to do and just start the, the process of doing that so I'd actually ask our students to just take 10 minutes at some point after this session today to start to map a little bit of that out and um, that you can then start to grow on based on some of the you know the inspirational which they really were um, thoughts and thoughts and big picture thinking we've heard today so look on that note um, I'm going to thank Deborah, Shannon, Kira, and Karen um, for your insights and the valuable time out of your diary to talk with us today. It genuinely has much appreciated. Um, students, as I said, try and think of that aha moment or one small action for yourself as a result of what you've heard today. Um, our next industry insight session, the third one, is next Tuesday on energy engineering and manufacturing. So the 12th of October, you can sign up in my future. So we really hope to see you there. So, um, oh, and we've got some information up on it there. You know, we've got Stephen Kelly from Manufacturing NI, Artemis Technologies, NI Networks, Glen Dimplex and Moy Park. Um, and I'm sure even though they're focusing on the energy and engineering manufacturing, some of those big high level messages will be quite similar to today's. Um, and we really hope that you can come along and, and hear those sessions. Um, in terms of like our employers have represented today, you're obviously all recruiting, nice key recruitment time. So guys, you know, you can look on My Future for those roles and obviously look on their um, their websites as well. And as I said, you know, there's there's information sessions and, and, and the like coming up in My Future if you wanted to dip in and have a look. So guys, thank you very much, as I said, for your time and have a lovely afternoon. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank for you. Having us. Thanks everyone. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sam. To access our Industry Insights related resources, please visit our website go.qb.ac.uk slash careers events or follow QB Careers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn.